0: During Elizabeth's sixth month of pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin. She was engaged to marry a man named Joseph from the family of David. Her name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, "'Greetings, the Lord has blessed you and is with you.'" But Mary was very startled by what the angel said and wondered what this greeting might mean. The angel said to her, "'Don't be afraid, Mary, God has shown you his grace. Listen, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of King David, his ancestor. He will rule over the people of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. God can do anything.
1: Good to see you today, glad you're with us and welcome again to all of you online. Uh, If you don't know me, my name is Josh and uh, one of the pastors here. Hey, just wanna encourage you, like Pastor Dave said, if you don't have plans, yet if you haven't finished your plans, make coming to Christmas Eve, part of those for your family. We'd love for you to be here with us, 3.30, five o'clock. Uh, a lot of Christmas carols, common music you're gonna know, uh, gifts for all the kids, just a bag of goodies and candy, and we're gonna sugar them up and send them home. It's gonna be great. So anyway, I uh, hope you can join us though for that on Christmas Eve, uh, coming up soon, next uh, just a couple weeks away now. Well, we've been looking at uh, Christmas through the eyes of a young mother named Mary. But I wanna tell you about another young mother. This young mom was having one of those days. I mean, she had everything was just going wrong for her that day. Uh, It was exceptionally hard. Maybe one of the worst days of her life if you asked her about it. The washing machine broke down. Uh, The faucet started leaking. She couldn't run the sink. The, her phone kept ringing and people wouldn't leave her alone. Her head ached, her back was sore. She could barely walk. Uh, the mail carrier brought a, a handful of bills, none of which was money in the bank to pay. It, everything was going wrong. And then it was time to feed her one-year-old and she picked him up, lifted him up into his high chair and she just collapsed, leaned her head on the tray of his high chair and just started bawling. Well, right on cue, a little baby took the pacifier out of his mouth and stuck it in his mom's. (laughs) Do you ever have one of those days? I mean, where just nothing goes right. Maybe one of those weeks, one of those months, one of those years. Maybe more than you wish to really talk about or recount this morning. Well, in our series, uh, looking at Christmas through the eyes of Mary, another young mom, Uh, we get a unique perspective into her humanity. That that she was a normal young girl, a teenage mom actually. Uh, And this morning I just want you to see a portrait of a young mother who had the same struggles that, that we all face in life, whether you're a mom or not, just common struggles that we all face in life and how God helped her through. So with that let me pray. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 this morning and uh, then we'll dive in here in a moment, but let's let's pray together. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thanks for your grace to us. Thanks Jesus for putting on flesh, becoming human at Christmas so that you could empathize with us, so that you could uh, see and know and feel and sympathize with us in every way. You know exactly what it's like. Uh, to live in a broken world where life is hard and demanding and sometimes it feels unending. So you promised to send your spirit to comfort us and to help us so Holy Spirit, I pray today you'd be our helper. Uh, Help me as I teach your word and uh, unpack it and uh, help all of us Lord, just to see your great care and give us the ability and the courage and the wisdom to know how to lean into you, to seek you, to trust you through it all. Thanks for Jesus. We pray all this through him, amen. Well, today uh, we're gonna skip ahead a little bit in the story last week we saw Mary and she took off to her cousin uh, relative, I should say Elizabeth's house who is also pregnant. And uh, she comes back and we're gonna skip over the part where Jesus is born and come back to that next Sunday. But today we're gonna skip ahead to verse 21 of Luke chapter two. And let me just read uh, the first few verses here with you. Uh, we read this in Luke chapter uh, two, verse 21. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. So we're picking it up eight days after Jesus was born. This was the name given to him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they, meaning Mary and Joseph, brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it's written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of, tur- a pair of turtle doves or, or two young pigeons. Uh, seem kind of strange to you, doesn't it? Why does Luke include that in the story? I mean, okay, yeah, Jesus was born and then, okay, they circumcised him, they named him Jesus and they went to the temple. Okay, I don't get all this. What's this about? Well, um, let's unpack it just a little bit briefly before we get into uh, looking at things again through Mary's eyes. Well, uh, back up in verse 21, verse 21, it was at the end of eight days when Jesus was circumcised and he was named. You know, this was a common thing. If you were Jewish and you had a child, you would name them eight days later. If it was a boy, you'd circumcise and mark them as belonging to God. It happened with John the Baptist in chapter one of Luke, same thing. And uh, a little bit of background here, though, is helpful too, because again, this might seem kind of strange to us. Well, if you were a Jewish family, there were certain uh, ceremonies that when you gave birth to a child and, and had a child that, that you would go through with them, one of them being this. Every Jewish boy was circumcised and named on the eighth day after they were born, and it, it physically marked them as belonging to God. Again, this might seem strange to us, but that Mark was an outward sign of a covenant God made with a guy you may have heard of named Abraham in the Old Testament. Abraham, uh, God promised a handful of things to him, uh, making a covenant with him. He promised to uh, make his name great. We're still talking about him today, so I think God succeeded in that And, and to bless him in great ways. He promised to give him a land, a certain amount of land, which is known as the promised land. That's why it's called that, because God promised it to Abraham. And then he also promised um, uh, to give him a, a great name, a great land, and to make him into a great nation, through whom he would bless everyone in the world throughout all time. In other words, coming from his descendants would be one who would bless everyone, Ultimately, that's Jesus. But when God makes this covenant, when he makes it with Abraham, whenever God makes a covenant in the Old Testament, it, there's, there's two signs that accompany it. There's a, a physical one, an outward one, and then there's an inward, invisible one. In this case, the outward one is circumcision. The inward one, though, is faith. And every covenant's like that. Now, maybe you might not know all the covenants, but God made one with Noah. Can you guess what the, the physical sign was with Noah. Noah got on the ark, and God flooded the earth, and then after the flood, how did God promise that he wasn't going to destroy the earth with a flood again? With a rainbow. But it was ultimately Noah's faith that saved him. It was just this outward sign, and the inward sign is always faith. Well, um, in, in, in Abraham's case, the outward sign was circumcision. And Abraham too was saved by faith. In in Genesis 15, one of the places where that covenant shows up, we read Abraham believed God, he believed the Lord. And God counted that to him as righteousness. Not anything he did, not going to church, not going through all the motions, not jumping through all the hoops, not doing everything right and cleaning himself up. It was his faith that made him righteous. It was God who made him righteous through his faith. Well, a little bit later this morning, uh, we're gonna participate or a handful of people will in a sign of a new covenant God makes to us to to change our hearts, to to help us and, and make us new and to save and rescue us because of the work of Jesus. And that sign is baptism. And it's the outward physical sign of that inward reality of Jesus changing us and making us new and of faith. So baptism doesn't save anybody when you see that later this morning. It's their faith that saved them. And baptism is just a physical way to represent that salvation. Faith is how God saves us. Well, each covenant had a sign and it had with it this condition of obedience. God wanted his people to obey with obedience and with faithfulness to God. As we kind of launch in here to look at things through Mary this morning, the first thing I want you to see is that Mary uh, was obedient, her and Joseph, and, and she was faithful to God. She was obedient to him. You know, friends, God calls you and I to be obedient to him. Jesus said, uh, if you're gonna follow me, you can show your love for me. How? Anybody know? By doing what I tell you to do, by obeying my commands, through obedience. And obedience and faithfulness to God is is something God requires of all of us. The problem is, I don't know about you, I've never fully succeeded at that, have you? Just being totally, fully, completely obedient to everything God I fail at it daily, if not hourly, if not more than that most days. I I fail, I'm, I'm not fully faithful, I'm not fully obedient. I never can be. Now when I fail, I, I repent and turn back to God and he welcomes me back and is continually changing me to where I'm more obedient in my life, but never fully, which is a problem when it comes to covenant because that, that, that condition of obedience is how it'll be fulfilled. Well, enter Jesus. Jesus was fully obedient to God. And one of the things he was obedient in is being marked as part of this covenant with Abraham. It might seem like a passing comment at first, but really this was a clue to, to people, especially in that day, Jewish people that, hey, this one who was born of Mary and Joseph, he's participating in the covenant, he's been marked, he's, he's been obedient in this way. Because God commanded the firstborn and, any male after eight days to be circumcised is marked as his, right? But I got a question. I just mentioned Jesus was fully obedient. He was in his life, but was him participating in this sign, was that really his obedience? I mean, he was eight days old. How does an eight day old child obey God? Well, here's what I would argue is that I think Jesus' obedience in this matter and his obedience Uh, throughout his life was affected in large part uh, by the obedience of his mom and his earthly daddy, Joe. Because of their obedience, it affected Jesus' obedience. They were obedient young parents. They, they obeyed God's word. They, they took Jesus to the, the synagogue. They had him circumcised on the eighth day and then they took him to the temple uh, 33 days after that to be dedicated to the Lord and to sacrifice to him. And their obedience to God's command influenced Jesus being obedient. It influenced him. Parents, here's, here's the deal. If you're a parent, even if you're not a parent, you're part of our church, like you have influence on kids. And your obedience affects the obedience of your children and of the children in our church. Your influence matters. The way you carry yourself, the way you obey God or the way you don't obey God. Your obedience will affect your kids' obedience. God says, uh, train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, I hope that's true for my own son, You know that he would follow God in his life and God would give him a lot of joy in that. But you know, and, and for any of us, we can't guarantee that our kids are gonna follow God. We can't, we can't make choices for them. But there's a pretty big argument to be made that you can guarantee they won't follow God <laughs> if you don't. Your obedience affects your kids' obedience. So just challenge it with that. We see that here with Mary and Joseph. Now, again, you're never gonna obey perfectly. You're gonna sin, I sin. You're gonna do some things that leave ugly marks on our kids. They'll probably have to have counseling at some point, right? But do you know, your obedience also includes your repentance that when you mess up, you say, hey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have spoke to you that way. I, I shouldn't have said that. And that's obedience too. And they see that and God uses that in their life. And you apologize to your spouse, when you repent for ways you've wronged them. Well, let's see this play out in Mary and Joseph's life, their obedience and how their obedience and faithfulness affected Jesus's own obedience and faithfulness. We keep reading. Uh, they take him to the temple. Uh, Mary had to go to be purified, to offer a sacrifice to be purified. See, she had let out blood, so she was incomplete and unclean according to God's law. All of this pointed forward to what Jesus would do for us, shedding his own blood. But, uh, she was obedient to do what she was called to do. And, and then they dedicated Jesus to the Lord when they got there. But one thing to note that you see here in verse uh, 24, in the sacrifice they made, this all comes from Leviticus and they were commanded to sacrifice not just a pair of turtle doves or a young pigeon, but like a, a, a large animal, a large heifer. And, but if you were poor, you could substitute that with a couple birds. So this tells us, just to set the stage, Mary and Joseph are incredibly poor. They don't have two nickels to rub together, but they're committed to being obedient to God and following him. And it's gonna have an effect on Jesus' life, but it's also going to have an effect on their own life. Do you know, often obedience and faithfulness to God, we might think, oh, that should make life go good, right? In a perfect world, problem is we live in a broken one. And the reality is that obedience and faithfulness to God will bring struggle to our lives in this broken world. If you choose to obey God, you can expect parts of life to be very much better, especially eternity, but you can also expect some struggle. Jesus said, if you're gonna follow me, you must what, take up your cross. People aren't gonna get it, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna bring struggle just simply obeying him especially because of our own sinfulness. Well, uh, let's look forward here and keep reading and see some of the ways we see this ahead for Mary and for Joseph, the struggle as they obeyed. They've obeyed, they've they've taken Jesus, they're dedicating him now, taking him to the temple. And when they get there, there was this man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. In other words, he's waiting for the Messiah. He's waiting for the one who's been promised that's gonna fix everything we've messed up. And the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon. Well, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death, he wouldn't die, until he laid eyes on this promised Messiah. He had a unique promise that God gave him. And so he came in the Spirit into the temple And he must've been coming in at the same time Mary and Joseph are coming with little baby Jesus, about 40 days old. Now, uh, those of you uh, who are parents who God has blessed you with that, your firstborn is a little tricky, right? Because like when you have them, you're not quite sure if you know what you're doing and you don't really trust anybody else to, to take care of them either. Maybe your parents, they've got a little experience. I mean, you made it, but, uh, I don't know if I'd trust anybody else, right? You're a little little guarded with that first one on who am I gonna hand him to? Who am I gonna let hold him? Are they gonna support his head right? What are they gonna do? Well, uh, Mary, remember Mary is a teenage mother. Uh, She was betrothed to Joseph, which means she was somewhere between the age of 12 and 17 when she gives birth to Jesus. Teenage mom out of wedlock takes uh, this baby to the temple to be dedicated, her firstborn. And I'm guessing, especially when you know that your child is the son of God, you're especially gonna be a little skittish. Well, look what happens when she walks in. Something like that, here it goes. Uh, He came into the spirit and temple, Simeon did, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of law, to obey, Simeon took him up in his arms Simeon said, there he is, and he just grabbed him. And I think, taking him up in his arms with me, he lifted him up, you know, kind of like on The Lion King, lifted him up, prayed for him, just said, uh, look at what he says, he blessed God. And he's like, uh, God kept his promise, the Lord. Now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. In the moment, I'm guessing Mary freaked out a little bit when the guy just came over at church and grabbed her newborn child and lifted him up. What is going on? Who are you? I don't know you. But then when he starts to say some of these things in the spirit, it confirms for her the things she had heard from the angel, that that he's gonna be the Messiah. He's gonna save Israel. He's gonna keep all of these promises that were prophesied hundreds of years prior. And surely it confirmed some things for her. In fact, it says that Mary and Joseph, uh, Jesus' father and mother, marveled at what was said about him by Simeon. Well, then Simeon turns to them. So they're encouraged, but then uh, here comes the struggle. Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, behold, this child's appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel for a sign that's opposed. You know, one thing that uh, is hard as a parent is when your kids struggle, it hurts your heart. And I don't think from people I've talked to, that changes even when your children are adults. And, and Mary's getting a clue here. Mary, your child is gonna be opposed. There's gonna be people who don't like him. There's gonna be uh, people who hate him. And not only this, Mary, but uh, a sword's gonna pierce through your own soul. Now, most scholars think that this is pointing forward to when Jesus would die on the cross, but I would argue, I think Mary's soul got pierced a long time before Jesus made it to the cross. What Simeon's uh, signaling here to Mary is that she's about to board the struggle bus. All aboard. It's not gonna be easy, Mary. You've chosen to follow God. You said, yes, that's great. But it's gonna be hard. I mean, uh, this child, he's appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel for a sign that's opposed. And it's a sign that'll pierce your own soul. Well, this, what we see here is Mary is a young mom, a teenage mom, Uh, she's got a lot of common struggles of any person on the face of the earth. Some that are unique to her as a mom, but but struggles we would all face. I mean, think about some of Mary's struggles and think of some of your own maybe in this that are like this. Mary was a new mom. She didn't know what she was doing. Uh, She was away from her family, a long ways away by those standards and left on her own with her new husband. But she was a normal young girl, normal young mom with normal struggles. I wonder, uh, you ever thought about, did Mary struggle with postpartum depression? She might have. Did Mary have guilt as a mom when she knew that she's raising the son of God, but she herself still sinned and messed up? Did she struggle with guilt as a wife? Like I'm not doing enough for my family or for my husband. And did she struggle because she was just dirt poor? I'd say all of that and more. And you know, you may not be a young mom, you may be somebody totally different, but the reality is a lot of Mary's struggles are common to all of us. We struggle with our identity. We struggle with, uh, you know, who are we? Am I measuring up? Am I doing enough? Why am I failing? Why do I feel like I'm always failing? And, and all of these struggles that are common to every one of us in this broken world. Hear me. Mary was an exceptional young woman in the way that she trusted God, but she was messed up just like the rest of us. And she had many of the same struggles you and I have. Jesus said, here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I've overcome the world. There's hope on the other side of it. Now, Mary also had some unique struggles that were only Mary's that you and I will never face. And you know, the reality is you too have some unique struggles that no one else will ever face. No one else is married to your spouse. No one else has that struggle, right? No one else has, uh, uh, has your exact personality, your exact job, works your nine to five, deals with the same guy down the line that you deal with every day of the week at work. You have some unique struggles too. But but God was faithful to Mary in her unique struggles. And uh, maybe you'd be thinking of some of your own, but let me show you some of Mary's. We're gonna skip over to Matthew now uh, towards another account surrounding Jesus' birth. Some of her, her unique struggles here as she attempted to obey God. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there were wise men from the east who came to Jerusalem. And they come to Jerusalem and they say to King Herod, they said, hey, where is he who's been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. Well, Herod was the king of Judea. In other words, he was the king of the Jews by title. So this bothered Herod. When Herod heard this, he, he was troubled because what do you mean? I, I'm, that's kind of my title. <laughs> I'm the king. What do you mean a new one's been born? He was troubled, so was all of Jerusalem, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where this Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it's written by the prophet, <laughs> you O Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least. This is predicting where Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. So then Herod summoned the wise men and he ascertained from them what time they saw the star. They're like, oh, it was about two years ago we first saw it trying to determine when this child was born. And so then he sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go search diligently for the child. And when you found him, come bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Well, after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose before them, they saw it until it came to rest over the place where the child was and where they, when they saw the star, excuse me, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. So these guys have come from the east. They've been traveling for quite a while. They come to Jerusalem. Now they go the next five miles to Bethlehem to see Jesus. The star rests on the house, but Matthew doesn't give us a picture of what's going on inside the house. I thought maybe we'd use our imagination a little bit. Mary's a young mom, right? Uh, Jesus is probably pushing two years old at this point, 18 months, somewhere in there. The reason I know that is because Herod here later will uh, order the slaughter of all the boys in Bethlehem that are two years old and younger based on the time that the wise men first saw the star rise. So Jesus is probably a toddler at this point. I wonder what Mary's day had been like that day. You ever seen a toddler? They waddle, they get into things, they create messes, they struggle to communicate, So they cry. Uh, Jesus was in full-blown toddler mode at this point. I wonder what that day was like for Mary. And by the way, if it's 18 months or so later, there's a pretty good chance that Mary's pregnant with her second or she's already had him. You know, we read about uh, some of Jesus's brothers and his sisters, plural, in the gospel. So he wasn't an only child. There were more born after him. So maybe that, that next one was already there or soon to arrive. And here's Mary, this young mom struggling because I mean, uh, everything is just, it's one of those days. <laughs> Joseph's at work, no cell phones. I can't call him to come home. So I'm just here stuck in it on my own. And, and maybe Jesus, uh, she's just ready to kind of strangle him and she feels guilty about that. Not because of his sinfulness, but because of his toddlerness. He was a toddler. The difference was he didn't do anything with you know uh, malicious intent or in a sinful way. But I'm sure, I'm sure he still caused, caused struggles for Mary. He was fully human, grew up like we did. Uh, maybe they're sitting down to eat and Jesus spills the milk and it goes all over the floor and then uh, she just doesn't know what to do. She's like the mom in the illustration earlier where she just lays her head down on Jesus' uh, high chair and she's just crying and then... Oh, great, now somebody's at the door. But they don't wait for her to open the door. They come right in. And going in the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. All of a sudden, this throng of people from a foreign country come in, and they bow down to the toddler, and they bring gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh for him. What's a toddler gonna do with Gold. Well, uh, Mary, in the midst of all that struggle, uh, here's, by the way, the next thing that's gonna happen is because of these same guys, in the next night or two, she's gonna have to move to a foreign country with her husband, Joseph. See, they were warned after they worshiped, which was probably confirming to Mary in the midst of her struggle, God gave her grace in that. But being warned in a dream, they they didn't return to Herod and they departed to their own country by another way. And when they departed, an angel appeared to Joseph as well and uh, told Joseph in a dream, he said, you need to get up, take the child and you need to flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you because Herod's about to search for the child to destroy him. Now, Bethlehem's only about five miles from Jerusalem, so this might've been like a day or two later, maybe that same night. And now suddenly, after maybe finally settling into this new town of Bethlehem, because all their family was in Nazareth, now all of a sudden, Joseph comes home and, hey, Mary, we have gotta move. Are we going back to Nazareth? Let's see our family? No, um, we're going to Egypt. Egypt? I've never been to Egypt. I don't speak Egyptian. Well... Uh, we have some time to prepare. You know, when are, we, when are we going? Okay, I trust you. I love you. Well, uh, start packing because we're leaving tonight. <laughs> the camel's warming up outside. Here we go. And off they go. And we're not told how long they live in Egypt, but they were there until they finally made their way to Nazareth where Jesus grew up. And uh, all of these struggles, I mean, she couldn't go back to Bethlehem, right? Because uh, Herod sends, people to to search for her boy. And when they can't find her boy, they kill all the other boys. Think of the struggles she had, her heart being pierced. What about when she loses Jesus when he's 12 years old? What about uh, when Jesus is is grown and in ministry and she shows up at the door thinking he's uh, taken the church thing a little far and gone crazy and said, hey, you need to come home with us. And they say, hey, Jesus, your mom's here. like, who's my mother? (laughs) It's all of you, you know, who's my family? Did she feel rejected in that moment, let alone the time when people would be shouting about her baby boy, crucify him. Mary had a lot of unique struggles we don't have, but that doesn't discount the fact that you have a lot of unique struggles Mary never had. But do you know God is faithful to you through all of it? He is. Uh, A little true or false uh, as we get close to wrapping up here this morning. True or false, uh, God will never give you more than you can handle. You ever heard that? Oh, I know Mary struggled, Josh, and I struggle, but you know, God will never give us more than we can handle. True or false, what do you think? Yeah, that's not in the Bible. I think it's absolutely false. In fact, I think often God does give us more than we can handle. Do you know why? So that we lean on him to help us handle it. And he did that with Mary. These things Mary couldn't do on her own. She had to trust the Lord through it. Uh, This comes from a false interpretation of 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where uh, God promises that we wouldn't be tempted beyond a place where there was a way of escape and a temptation that we couldn't handle. But he never promises not to give us more than we can handle. I, I would argue, I think he often does so that we trust him. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light because I'm in the yoke with you and I'm helping you carry the burden. Paul tells us too that uh, we help one another in this. Jesus helps us, but we're, we're told uh, to bear one another's burdens, to help one another. W- what are some of your burdens, your unique ones? Maybe you've got common ones that we all struggle with and we can encourage one another in. Maybe you've got some unique ones that nobody knows about, but it's just weighing you down and you need some help, who can you talk to? There's people who love you, to help you. We all have our own load to bear, Paul says. If you obey God and follow him and are faithful to him, there's gonna be struggle. And so here's what I would say. Keep your eyes then on the destination. Keep your eyes on the destination. I mean, back to our struggle bus, right? It's a bumpy ride when you get to the end, it's sweet and it's worth it. Keeping your eyes on eternity, keeping your eyes on Christ. It doesn't make it easy, but you need to know and remember that these days are momentary. The days of struggle, the days of heartache, the days of pain, friends, they're coming to an end if you know Jesus. They're momentary. Uh, Paul says, uh, for this light momentary affliction, is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. See the destination there? Beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they're gonna fade. That job, that promotion, that uh, fill in the blank, all those things you want, sometimes I want as well, right? They're gonna fade. But the things that are unseen are eternal. So keep your eyes on eternity. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived apart from Jesus, said that God has made everything beautiful in its time. He makes everything beautiful in its time, in the end. He's put eternity into our heart, that longing for more, but in such a way that in the midst of it, we don't always know what God's doing from the beginning to the end. And so we just have to trust him and move through it. So, so my commendation to you, and I think it would be to Mary as well, and, what, and I think what Mary would say, because she did this, keep going. Keep going. One foot in front of the other, trusting God, leaning on others for help. See, there's, there's others around you to help you. The writer of Hebrews says, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so close. Let us run with endurance the race before us looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured suffering, endured the cross, despising the shame, and he's now seated at the right hand of God. Paul says, this is why we don't lose heart. And Jesus even said, I've said these things to you so that in me, you could have peace. In the world, you're gonna have tribulation, but take heart. Have overcome the world so friends your obedience to Jesus your faithfulness to God it's not going to make life easier if you were told that you were lied to it's going to make it harder in many ways but it'll be better because God is faithful and he'll help you through his word as you lean on him and through all the people in this room so lean on them let me pray uh, we're going to call it a morning. Then Pastor Dave's going to come as we head into uh, our baptisms this morning. And uh, just those who've made that choice of putting their faith in Christ and leaning on him with their life. Let me pray.